0: Today's sermon is pre-recorded. The message the Lord has given me tonight, trust in Jesus. Now you would say, Pastor, that's a simple thing to do, to trust in Jesus. There was a man, he was a very wealthy farmer, he was getting on in years and one particular year, the crop was just incredible. It was one of those hundredfold years. The crops just produced such an abundance. And he said to himself, What am I going to do with all of this crop? There's too much. I don't have room in the barns. Then he said, I know what I'll do. I've got it. I've worked hard all my life. I think I'll just have the men come in and build an addition on the barn. In fact, maybe we ought to just build a whole new barn. And I'm going to fill it up with all this crop and with all the other things that I have. And I am going to just take a vacation. I'm going to pull back. I don't need to farm anymore. I'm tired. It's time for me to just settle back and enjoy the fruit of my labor. The Lord said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then Jesus says in Luke, the 12th chapter, verse 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Well, what do you mean rich toward God? The scriptures say you cannot love both God and money. So being rich toward God means that you have on the deposit, at the bank of heaven, all that you have. In other words, you have given into the Lord's hand your time and your talent. You've given into the Lord's hand your family. You've given into the Lord's hand all of your preferences and your dreams and your desires. You have given the Lord all that you have. That's being rich toward God. So he's saying, look, if you are walking out your life in the normal cultural expectation that you can work hard, you can gather a little bit of extra, you can put that aside, then you can relax and just chill and live the good life, your soul will be demanded. And then who's going to get what you have been storing up. All of these things that we treasure so much, Jesus is saying, who's going to get them? Mr. Forbes worked all of his life to acquire pieces of art. Fabergé eggs worth six figures. Incredible treasures. His sons, now that he has passed, are spending their whole lives selling daddy's
1: treasures.
0: (laughs) Around and around it goes. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm asking you to be rich toward the kingdom of God and not rich toward your stuff. Notice, Jesus said to his disciples in verse 22, this is Luke, the 12th chapter, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. If life is more than food and the body more than clothes, what is it more for? Jesus is saying, this clothing issue, these pieces of furniture, these things that we accumulate, these things are not what your life is about. Your purse, your checkbook, it has something in it, hopefully, What would happen if tonight Jesus came? Would he think it necessary to keep your coin? (laughs) Would your coin have weight in heaven? No, the coin of the realm in heaven is the blood of Jesus Christ, not the blood of Pharaoh or Caesar. So when we begin to think about what the scripture is saying, I have to just back up for a minute because everything in my life says, look, what is most important is that I live a normal American life and that I fit into that normal American life, Jesus. He's one of the amenities that we like to bring with us to bring value to our lives. But basically, we have set in stone this process that says you have to have the right job, you have to have the right house, you have to have the right car, you have to have the right health care, you have to have certain basic things in your life. And if you take care of those items, then... Now, you need a positive faith in Jesus, and you need a fellowship to be a part of, and you need these other amenities so that your lifestyle will be pleasant as you make the journey. And Jesus is saying, No, you've missed it. It's not about having a pleasant lifestyle, it's not about walking in the way of the world. He's saying, Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. What would happen tonight if you got rid of your barn? Your storeroom. What if you got rid of it? Oh... Wait a minute, Pastor. Do you believe that God will feed you? Do you believe that God will clothe you? Do you believe that it's possible to walk in accord with the living God of heaven and that His Almighty care will cover you and protect you if you walk according to what He has ordered you to walk? Do you believe that? Do you trust Him? Or do you want to make sure you have your deal covered? And then there's time to bring Jesus in. Now, this is not a real difficult proposition to test. Simply look at how you've spent your last week. What kind of time did you spend searching after Jesus, fellowshipping with him, doing the work he called you to do, versus taking care of all the flesh issues, being concerned about all the flesh issues, the lifestyle issues. And if you spent more time on taking care of the lifestyle than you spent taking care of your spiritual life, well, as we always say here, if you look like a duck, you walk like a duck, You quack like a duck. You must be a duck. How have you walked? Consider the ravens, verse 24, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? So I'm asking you tonight, would you be willing to get rid of all of your barns and trust that Jesus knows how to feed you and shelter you and clothe you and that all that you possess, instead of being a barn where you store it away and say, now I've got it made, I can retire. Now instead you're saying, Lord, this is your pot. This is not my pot anymore. This is not my barn. This is your pot of resources, of time, of energy, of money, of whatever it is. This is your pot of resource. And Jesus, this is for you. You spend it as you choose so that in your mind, you're no longer thinking, okay, we get this amount from the job. We get this amount from this source. Let's see, we can make ends meet if we're careful here, and we kind of don't spend there. We can make ends meet I want to just bear testimony tonight as something the Lord has done over and over with the National Prayer Chapel. As we have prayed in the money each month for radio, many times a week, a day, before the money is due at the radio station, the Lord will say, now you write a check for this amount to such and such a person. Lord, that's my radio money. Oh, God, yes. Well, wait a minute, Ray. Is that your radio money? Is that your barn? Now you get it. Or is that my money? Mm-hmm. And we have followed a simple principle first need, first met. First need, first met. In other words, as we've walked this out, when the Holy Spirit says, now you take that money from that pot that was set up to pay for the radio, and you come over here, and you do this with that money, and we have then walked in obedience to that command, do you know what I've had to do? I've had to go back into the prayer closet and sometimes spend all night on my face before God saying, now, Lord, I'm waiting on you to bring into my heart the absolute assurance that you're going to meet tomorrow the radio bill. And, Lord, if you say no, we'll cancel the radio broadcast tomorrow when we go in to see David Ruhlman, the manager of WABS. And we have finally, in the wee hours of the morning, said, okay, we've made peace with it. Let's go to bed now. It's over. It's covered. You see, I've been raised in a way that says, don't let money burn a hole in your pocket. I mean, I'd get my 25 cents allowance when I was a child, and I always wanted to carry that 25 cents around in my pocket, and I wanted to finger that quarter all day long. And I wanted to think about how soon I could walk two miles to the store where I could buy those little nickel wafers, where I could buy one of those candy bars, where I could buy some ice cream. I could get all of that for a quarter. And my dad would say to me, Raymond, don't let that quarter burn a hole in your pocket. And he would sometimes say to me, Raymond, have you ever thought about taking that quarter and the whole thing, not just the tithe, take the whole quarter and give it to Jesus this week? Well, now, wait a minute. See, now you're talking about my candy bar or Jesus. That's messing with me. You're talking about my ice cream cone or Jesus. Now, which am I going to choose? Now, listen, I've had to make that choice all my life. And as an adult, I'm still having to make that same choice. (laughs) Except now it's not a candy bar, it's a vacation. Or it's a new chair, or it's some new clothes, or it's some this, or it's some that. Which is it going to be? Well, which one did Jesus order? Which one did I want? Until finally it's come to a place where if I receive some money, I just automatically say to Jan, let's just give it all to Jesus. And she'll have to sometimes say to me, did Jesus say to do that? Well, no, he didn't say to do that. Well, he's told me that there are some things we need to get for our family. So don't you think we need to ask Jesus and you talk to him and get some confirmation well Jan it's easier if we just give it all to Jesus, Jesus no,
1: no, then worry about
0: then, I, <laughs> uh, then I don't need to even think about it just just put it put it in the radio fund and leave it alone it doesn't matter just give it all to him and then there's no temptation do you know that can be as much disobedience? Jesus wants to know, do I consider my money, my barn, or is the money, is the time, is the resource, is that in the pot that goes into the kingdom of heaven, and am I willing to allow Jesus to spend that time and that energy, to spend that money in the way he chooses Now, I want to say something that you may not understand. This comes out of my own experience. I can give you some examples in Scripture, but they're hard to find. Jesus never wants me to waste money. But he does it at the drop of a hat. Jesus doesn't mind wasting my money. But he doesn't want me to waste it. He wants me to put it where he asks me to put it and to do with it as he asks me to do with it. That seems a bit unfair to me. But he holds me on a tight line. And the discipline comes quickly if I begin to act as though I'm God. And I can waste what I choose to waste. Now watch. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. In other words, they don't go to a job. They don't go to a job. They have no storeroom. They have no barn. And yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. I have to ask you tonight. Are you dressed in the clothing that you earned? Or are you dressed in the clothing God gave you? Are you driving a car that you earned? Or are you driving a car God gave you? Are you living in a house that you have earned? Or are you living in a house that God has given you? Are you like the raven... Are you like the lily? Do you know what the lie is? The lie is that if you trust Jesus, you're going to be in poverty. And I simply tonight will bear witness, and I often enjoy doing this to people. I will say, please look at how I'm dressed. Do I look as though I'm a poor man? No but I'm dressed in clothing I didn't work one minute to earn. They were given by Jesus. The car, given by Jesus. Everything came from the hand of Jesus. This brings us to this painful issue that I've tried to talk about before, but I have to keep coming back to it, because it has to sink into our hearts. We think we go to a job to earn money.
1: Jesus.
0: But according to the word of God, we go to a job to bear testimony that Jesus is Lord. We go to a job to witness for Jesus Christ. Where is my place of ministry? My place of ministry is here, and my place of ministry is is on the radio. My place of ministry is in the homes of people. My ministry is doing the work of a pastor. How much do you pay me for that job? You don't pay me. Jesus does. And so if you go to that place where you're working where you're ministering, where you're pastoring, you go to that place and you have a bitter root of complaining against the people who are there. Every day you say, I hate my job. You're saying to Jesus, I hate the ministry you've assigned me. I hate, Jesus, what you've told me I have to do. Now, what do you think Jesus' response is going to be to you? Well, when you have a little child, and the little child keeps saying, Mommy, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. What do you finally do? You finally get tired of it and say, We need to get an attitude adjustment. It's time for you to have some time out. If you want to be miserable, let me make you really miserable for a little while. So sit on this hard chair until your attitude is changed. And sometimes it takes five minutes... But sometimes it takes 30 minutes or 60 minutes sitting on a hard chair to get an attitude adjustment. There seems to be a direct correlation with the discomfort of the bottom and the heart. So if you go to your job and you say, I hate this place. I don't want to go here anymore. This is a miserable place to work. How would you feel if I came in here... And I said, this is a miserable church. I hate this church. I don't want to be a part of this. But I have to because the money's here. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? You'd say, I think we better get a new pastor. Or a new church. So you go to your workplace. And Jesus says... You're not supposed to labor for money. You're not supposed to spin. I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to dress you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to prove, look how I feed the ravens. Do you think I don't value you more than the ravens? I mean, I'm sure the Lord used the raven because they're such an obnoxious bird. (laughs) Loud, bold, noisy. (laughs) And I suspect he's saying, I know my people won't act like
1: ravens.
0: (laughs) And so, because my people are so gentle of heart, don't you know I'll feed you, and I'll clothe you, and I'll provide for you? Now look, this is not a complicated deal. It's just straight up. Will you let go of your barns? And will you trust in Jesus? Will you trust that Jesus will clothe you and feed you? And will you trust that when he sends you to that place of work, that he'll meet you there and that he'll pour out his spirit in that place and that you will be effectual in bringing salvation to those dying in that place, that the testimony of your mouth will not fall on hard soil, but to begin to look for the salvation of those men and women in that place. you begin to get the picture? You see, right now, we're in that awesome place where God can begin to use us to win the lost. But the question is, do we believe that Jesus will give us the lost? And how much time have you spent this week praying and asking the Lord with mouth wide open, would you give me the lost in my office? Will you give me the lost where you've assigned me to minister? Do you know what I was praying as I was sitting here tonight? I was saying, "Oh Lord, will you give me the loss of Washington, D.C.? Will you give me those that you have destined for salvation in Washington, D.C.? Will you call them out? Will you call them by name? I trust you. That's what we've been called to do as a national prayer chapel. None of this is of human strength. None of this is of human design and cunning. None of this is by the power of the man. This is Holy Spirit work. This is divine Holy Spirit work. But before he can step in and begin to walk with us in this ways, we've got to let go of our barns. And we've got to begin to trust in him to feed us like he feeds the ravens. We've got to begin to trust him to clothe us like he does the lilies. So you face a financial need in your life. What are you going to do with that financial need? Oh, I've got it. I can pick up this side job over here. I've got it covered. You've just gone to your barn. What if instead of that you would simply go to Jesus and say, Jesus, here is the need that I am facing. I now wait upon you to take care of that need. Would you tell me what you want me to do? Now I'll tell you what he's done with me. I bring a need to Jesus, and I say, will you take care of this Jesus? And he doesn't answer. I go back and I say, Jesus, this is, a, this is a problem that is weighing heavy on my heart. This has to be taken care of. Would you show me what you want to do with this? And he doesn't answer. He doesn't answer for a very good reason, because he wants to know what I'm going to do about it before he decides what he's going to do. He wants to know if I'm going to set up my little cubbyhole barn and go out to the barn and pull in the resources I need to pull in from family or from friends or from past debts or from some place I'm going to maneuver some money to take care of that deal. And if I do, he's not going to be involved in it. But after he's clear that I'm not going to do anything about it, except wait on him and obey his commands. And after he has dealt with whatever issue he needs to deal with in my heart in breaking some power of sin in my life. Now, please hear me. Often the sin he deals with is totally disconnected from the need that I have. After he has dealt with me on that sin he will then speak and say, it's taken care of. Now watch. And after he's spoken to me and said it's taken care of, I don't ask him again. I simply wait on him. Because to ask again at that point would be to demonstrate unbelief. And so after he has spoken, and I'm clear that he's spoken then I wait on him. So now watch what he says. Verse 27, Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow is thrown into the fire, How much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? He's addressing his disciples. He's saying, you, my disciples, don't have enough faith to walk into this yet. But believe me, a time was coming when they would walk into that experience. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. Your father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. So there you have it. You can either go out and work like the pagans to take care of all your responsibilities You can walk like the pagans and be responsible like the pagans and cover your bills like the pagans. Or you can seek first the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can get rid of your barns, your little hidey caves where you say, I've got some security. I've got this squirreled away. I've got this talent. I've got this ability. I've got this money. And I've got it right here and I'm secure because I've got it and nobody's going to take it away from me. You can walk like the pagans if you choose. But if you walk like the pagans, you'll be treated like a pagan by the Father. And he won't speak to you, and he won't bring you into his heart, and he won't reveal the secrets of the word to your heart. But if you seek his kingdom... If you seek his kingdom with all of your heart, then he's going to make sure he covers all your needs. He's going to take care of you. That's the arrangement. If you will walk in humble obedience before the Lord, doing what he instructs you to do, going to the place of ministry that he assigns you, doing what he has directed you to do, then he will take care of all of your financial and physical needs. You'll be covered. Now, just a word of warning. He will not take care of them the way you think they should be taken care of. He will take care of some of them by saying, let it go. I don't want you to hold on to it anymore. Give it away. He'll take care of others by just saying, "Uh, that's not necessary now. Let it sit for a while. Others that you hadn't even thought about the need for, it'll suddenly be covered. Provision will be there when you didn't even expect it. It'll simply be there and it will be adequate to cover what is necessary. Question tonight is Will you trust the Lord God of heaven? Will you trust Jesus? Will you? allow him to take away all of your barns, all of your hidey caves, all of those places that you find security, all of those beliefs and dreams that give you a place of security. Will you give all of those up and allow everything in your life, your dreams, your talents, your money, your future, will you allow all of that to be placed in the hands of Jesus? And say, Jesus, I will go where you tell me to go. I will do what you tell me to do. And I will do so with a shining face of glory. I will do it with songs of praise on my lips. I will glorify your holy name because you are enough for me. You see, as long as you have your barn, it's easy to say Jesus is enough. But when you get rid of your barn, then is Jesus enough? Now, I'm trying to be very careful tonight to draw the experiential difference that Jan and I have walked through, the difference between saying, okay, that means I have to give away everything I have. So... Here, you take some, and you take some, and you take some, and okay, everything's given away, and now, Jesus, I'm going to trust in you. Well, no, that's not what we're talking about. I'm saying transferring all that you have into the hands of Jesus, not into somebody else's hands, into the hand of Jesus, so that now Jesus orders... What will happen with all of your resources? Now, you understand why I'm using the word resource instead of money. We're not talking just about money. We're talking about time. We're talking about talent. We're talking about dreams. We're talking about all the different coins of the realm. As we seek first the kingdom of God, as we walk in obedience to his command, we have the right to open our mouth wide and expect that Jesus will fill it. Now watch. Do not be afraid. That's the next sentence. I mean, if you really understand what I'm saying tonight, terror will rise up in your heart. When I first began to hear this out of the Scriptures, I couldn't believe what I was reading. And so I went to some others and I asked them. I went to some pastors. I said, What do you think this means? They said, Ray, that just means trust Jesus. I said, Okay, good. I got it. I trust Jesus. Not a problem. I trust Jesus. Pass the offering plate. Money time. Do the motivational speeches, do the seminars, do the workshops. Do everything that I can do with my talent, get paid well for it. But when Jesus began to take it all away, there was a gap between my letting go of it all and Jesus stepping into it. And that gap in Scripture is called the Valley of Baca or the valley of weeping. And I wept a long time, because in that valley of buck I thought I would die. If you understand what I'm saying tonight, there is nothing that you can depend upon for security or provision except Jesus Christ. And so everything that you've stored up to create for yourself a secure life, the lampshades that you keep carefully wrapped so that they won't get dirty because you know you'll never have the money to buy another lampshade. I mean, you've got to carefully take care of that and and you have to save all the little twisties and all the rubber bands because you never know. You know, save all the plastic forks Run them through the dishwasher 10 times because you're never going to have the money to buy any more. There's a limit to how much money you have, and you've got to be very careful with the pittance you have, or you're going to die. Well, you will die. You're walking like a pagan. You're walking like a pagan. As you begin to understand that you put all that you possess into the hand of Jesus. You put all of your resources in his hand. You put your car in your truck. You put your job. You put everything into the hand of Jesus. You put your health into the hand of Jesus. You put your health condition in the hand of Jesus. And you recognize that if Jesus doesn't pick you up and carry you, you will die because there's no place else you can turn. You have no ability to create security for yourself. You have given up the right to create security for your family or for yourself. You now are totally dependent upon Jesus Christ, and you are going to walk in humble obedience in everything he tells you to step into, so that when he tells you, go to the doctor, you go to the doctor. When he tells you, don't go to the doctor, you don't go to the doctor. When he tells you, go to this job, you go to that job. When he tells you not to go to that job, you go where he tells you to go. What did Jesus say? Those who walk with the Lord are like the wind. You never know where they're going to go. That is, the world never knows what to expect from a Christian. Because a Christian isn't going to walk according to the standards of the world. A Christian is going to walk according to the spirit of the living God. And people who walk according to the spirit of the living God do strange things. Radical things. The world looks and says, I can't believe you would do that. You mean you would give up that fabulous job. You would give that job up for another person who needs your job more than you do. You would give up your car because that other brother needed a car. What are you going to do for a car now? I'm going to wait on Jesus. Oh, I forgot. The bank owns your car. You can't give it up. Does Jesus own your car? Understand what I'm saying tonight. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. That means you have received the keys to the kingdom. You have received the key of David. That means you can go to the storeroom of God and draw down on the storeroom of God what you've placed in it. If you haven't placed anything in the storeroom of God, you don't have anything in it to draw down on. That's why Jesus said, be rich toward God. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. In other words, when you see a person who's poor, reach out and help them. First need, meet the need. At the direction of the Holy Spirit, reach out and meet that need. In other words, don't be tight-fisted saying, look, I've got five bucks if I give you my $5, I'll have nothing. I won't have gas money. I can't go to McDonald's. I can't get my candy bar. No, Jesus is saying, don't look at money like this. He's saying, you have access to the kingdom of God. So if you have $5 in your pocket, and I tell you, go give that $5 to this homeless man, You go give that $5 to that homeless man and then say, now, Jesus, I've done what you told me to do. Now, what would you like me to do? He may say, I'd like you to fast today. No candy bars. Or he may say to you, come and sit at my banquet table and provide a surprise. Both have happened to me. There have been times when I have given all that I had. I've emptied my pockets. And then all that week, there hasn't been any money for food. And I've cried aloud to the Lord. And the Lord has been my food. And it was rich and plentiful. And he met the need of my heart. I'm inviting you tonight to step into a relationship with Lord Jesus Christ, where you don't walk in fear, where you know that the Lord has been pleased to give you the kingdom, where you don't clutch or hold on to what you have. Instead, you meet the needs that are necessary. You provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So essentially tonight, I'm really saying to you, where's your heart? Your heart is either going to be in your barn... Or it's going to be in the kingdom of God. Your your treasure, if that's your ability to earn money, that's where your heart's going to be. And you're going to focus hours and hours and hours on your job. You're going to be a perfectionist on your job because that's where your heart's at. But if your heart is with Jesus and with the kingdom... You'll go to that job and you'll obey the Lord and you will minister in his name in that place and great joy will come up in your heart. Now there are times when I go to the radio when I am utterly exhausted and spent. Today was one of those days. Jan and I looked at one another. We were up until after 2 o'clock last night dealing with work issues that had to be taken care of for the ministry. And as we worked on those things, as I worked on the editing desk, preparing tapes and doing all the necessary downloading, as we worked, finally at 2 o'clock, a little after, we went to bed. We were exhausted. The last thing I said to my sweetheart last last night was, I don't know how we're going to ever get up and go to the radio broadcast in the morning. And then I have to preach tomorrow night. You catch that. I have to preach tomorrow night, like burden, burden. Woke up this morning. We were on the way to the radio broadcast. And the Lord began to pour joy into our hearts. Our spirits began to lift as we prayed. We always spend our mornings in prayer. And as we'd been praying and waiting before God, he told us exactly what he wanted us to share on the broadcast. He gave us the scriptures he wanted us to use. And then as we went to the broadcast and as we began to speak, the joy of the Lord quickened us, refreshed us. I can't explain it. I come here tonight. I don't have to preach tonight. Instead, the Lord gave me a word that brought joy in my spirit And he gave me strength so that I had no tiredness. That's the Holy Spirit. So what I'm saying to you is, as you are faithful in doing the work he's asked you to do, his strength and his joy will flow through you so long as you're not walking in disobedience to his commands. Sometimes the journey grows very heavy, but always when the journey grows very heavy, it's because I have a rebellious heart. But when I submit, and I walk in trust in Jesus, and I look to him for my supply, he never has failed to meet me. He never has let me down. He has always lifted me up. He has always been the provision. He has always been the strength. He has always been the joy. He's been the flowing power of his Spirit. Tonight, will you deal once and for all with your barns? Will you cut them off? Will you empty them out? Will you put your barns... Into the treasury of God? Will you give to the hand of Jesus your time and your talent and your energy? Will you give up all self-preservation? Will you trust him? Let's pray. Lord, tonight... My heart is filled with joy because you have lifted me up and you have borne a testimony in my mouth that you are sufficient, that you are enough. Jesus, you are awesome in power and love and grace and mercy. You are awesome in faithfulness. Lord, I trust you. I put my confidence in you and I praise your holy name. Glory to your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, mighty God. I pray in your holy name. Amen. so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim's Progress is brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel, and we'd love to hear from you right to us at the National Prayer Chapel, P.O. Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Also visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you.
1: So...